And you may be seated. Continuing our series, Ben's Reading the Bible. Uh, today we're going to be in our second Chronicles, so uh, chapter 7. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles that you held up uh, to Reve- uh, Revelation. Second Chronicles, chapter 7. Um, I want you to, for a moment to imagine it was a kind of a day like today. Bright, sunshiny, and uh, the weather's just perfect. And Solomon and the people of Israel were coming together to dedicate the temple. And they had worked long and hard to build a permanent, uh, a magnificent structure uh, that would eventually house the Ark of the Covenant. The day arrived for the temple dedication. And if you look at verse 1 of Second Chronicles 7, it says, When Solomon finished praying, fire descended from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Wouldn't it be amazing to have experienced that? Man, I can't imagine fire from heaven just consuming it. It just amazes me to think that that happened and could happen. You don't really hear about that happening anymore. That fire from heaven uh, came down and consumed uh, sacrifices uh, on an altar. Of course, the good news is we don't have to do that. That's already been done for us at Calvary. Hallelujah. But with freedom comes great responsibility. And we tend to forget that. So uh, let's not forget it. It's been said that there are no atheists in foxholes. Does everybody understand what that means? The bullets are flying. You're you're going to draw near to God <laughs> when you're uh, close. Seems like the streets of uh, any major city are that way anymore. Um, I remember um, when we um, lost more people to death in Chicago than they did in Afghanistan. Uh, it's just sad. It's just sad. Uh, even in Tulsa now, it's just it's crazy. And our our legislators in Oklahoma City are thinking about get, doing uh, no licensing, no training, and everybody just carries a gun. Uh, somebody uh, mentioned this morning to me that it's a bit like the Wild Wild West again, you know. Uh, so you know, some uh, in the conversation we were having about it. Uh, uh, People will have a gun and alcohol, and those usually don't mix very well. But uh, or now the medical marijuana, uh, <laughs> it's it's amazing when you stop and think about it. But um, you want to get right with God, and you want to be right with God, and you want to make sure, as best you can, with all of all of it's in your heart that you're right with God. And um, but just the, just the thought of fire. Falling from heaven. How amazing that must have been. So, as we continue in Second Chronicles 7, uh, 
uh, I want to hopefully give you some insights that will help you in your getting right with God. Because we've got to be right with God. We never know when, when the trumpet call of God is going to come. And we don't know when this life is going to end for us individually. We don't know. Okay? We fight to the very end, but we don't know when that will happen. So, we want to make sure that we're right with God. So, what does it take for a person to be right with God? First of all, they need to experience the purifying fire of God's presence. It makes them holy like God. That fire, purifying fire. Uh, God over and over uses fire to identify His presence and to help purify His people. Uh, Moses spoke through the burning bush. And God told him to take his sandals off. He's on holy ground. Elijah, God consumed the altar with fire from heaven. Uh, proclaimed among them um, uh, other things that he was a holy man. Um, to the very first believers in Jerusalem, God visited with a violent blowing wind and tongues of fire. Announcing that these were holy people. Solomon and the worshippers of the temple. God came as a fire from heaven, consuming that altar that they and temple that they had built, and uh, declaring this to be a holy place. So you see, time and time again, where God used fire to purify, to cleanse. Okay, so people who are right with God are separate from the world. If you are called by God in your heart to serve Him and to love Him and to care for Him, and He has saved you then you and I should be different than what the world has to offer. We should have more to offer than the world does. The tragedy is, is that Christians are doing some of the same things the world's doing, so the world says, why do I need church? You know? I, I saw a, a statement uh, the other day where it said, uh, you don't, the, the person was making the comment about uh, just going to church is not going to save you. And the, the answer was, well, you, uh, you don't need a parachute to jump out of a plane, but it doesn't hurt. <laughs> and it doesn't hurt to go to church, amen? It's a good place to be. It's a good, great place to be. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter 17, He said, I am not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Um, they are not of the world, as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth, and as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so they also may be sanctified by the truth. Because it's important to understand that we are separate from the world as believers. We should walk different, talk different, think different, act different. But unfortunately, that isn't always the case. Jesus, in those verses in John 17, 15 through 19, he uses the word sanctify three times. And it means to set apart, to be sacred, to make something holy. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So we need to understand that God has called us to a life and a way of living 
that is different than what the world has to offer. And we should, we should be that way. We should carry ourselves that way. All right? So a person who is right with God is a holy person, separating themselves from the world, distancing themselves from sin. And that's hard because sin follows me. How about you? It's right at my heels every day. It's, it's, it's there. I read a quote uh, some time ago that said, If you don't feel the flames of hell lapping at the heels of your feet every day, you're, you're uh, not close enough to God and you're, you're too far away from Him. You ought to be feeling the heat of, heat of hell coming right at your heels every day because you're living a holy life. <laughs> Come here. Yeah, there you go. I do that with my grandchildren. Uh, they'll try to take off and I'll grab them and pull them back and they get tickled about it all. It's, it's, it's fun to do. But they're all getting bigger now, so I don't, I don't know how much longer I can do that. <laughs> They'll hurt me if I, <clears throat> if I pull too hard. Uh, the law of physics states that two objects can't occupy the same space. Jesus said it this way, you can't serve both God and mammon or money. You can't do it. You've got to serve one or the other, and you will. You will serve one or the other. And that depends on your heart. It depends, again on that call from God. So, are you holy? Are you separate from the world? Have you distanced yourself from sin? Secondly, I want you to see the, the to, to be separate from the world and uh, to be holy is uh, we need to develop the consuming fire of God and remember and realize that it compels us to worship Him. We need to be ready to worship God. And you can do that every day. You don't have to come to church to worship God. You can do it every day. You ought to do it every day. There ought to be a time in your day when you're worshiping the Lord. Uh, I remember Geneva had a, a specific room. It was a formal uh, living room off of their kitchen in their home that was their worship room, she, uh, she and Dudley. Uh, they would have music playing in there. That's where they did their Bible reading and, and study and discussion, but prayer was the main function of that room. Uh, I'm discovering more and more every day how important prayer is. Uh, we're, in fact, we're doing a study on Wednesday nights on prayer. So I would encourage you to come and be a part of that study time. But uh, back in Second Chronicles chapter 7, look at verse 3. All the Israelites were watching when the fire descended and the glory of the Lord came on the temple. They bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement. They worshiped and praised the Lord, for He is good, for He is faithful. Love endures forever. Worship is a response to the presence of God. We ought to be able to come into church and instantly feel the presence of God. The Holy Spirit should be allowed to move and to touch and to prick your heart right here. Sermons come and go. Preachers come and go. But the Holy Spirit should be allowed, and we have to allow Him to come. He's not going to force His way in, is He? Jesus never will force His way into your life. But if you'll open that door, He'll come. And He'll, he'll make your life so much more uh, exciting and so much more blessed. He, that all-consuming holiness, the glory of worship in expressing our love for God. Very important that we do that. And, and, and never forget from whence we've come. It's a very important to, to never forget where you were 
and where you are today. Do you long to encounter God in worship? Does your heart seek to respond to God's glory, His greatness, His goodness? Is that happening in your life? Do you come to church because it's a drudgery and you have to come? Or is it something you really enjoy doing? And I can't wait to get there. I want to see people. I want to, it's people I haven't seen all week. I want to, it's a family here. And we want to hug on each other and we love each other. Uh, I thought about pulling out uh, from time to time, uh, taking out the hug and howdy time. And you let me know real fast how important that is to you. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the clock and you're saying forget the clock. Okay, so we'll forget the clock. So 3 o'clock, here we go. No, not, not true at all. Third thing about uh, I want you to pick up on uh, for a person to get right with God is the, is the spreading fire of God leads us to worship and to witness of God, to the witnessing of God. The nature of fire is to purify uh, and to consume. Uh, its nature is also to spread. Uh, we've seen the terrible uh, fires in California uh, just burn out of control because once it starts, we've seen it here in Oklahoma. Uh, once they get started and the wind's blowing and it's dry enough, man, I'm telling you, it, it just, just spreads like crazy. And so that should be happening in our lives in a positive way that the Holy Spirit and, and God's Fire is purifying us, but it should also be spreading. The goal that we should have as believers in in witnessing is that it should produce worship to God from us. Uh, our our memory verse uh, again, Second Chronicles seven and verse fourteen. God said to Solomon, "And if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways." Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. There's, there's action on our side, and there's action on God's side. But it's an if. It's an if. Uh, when I was growing up, if I did things right, I didn't get in trouble or get a spanking. Right? If I didn't do things right, I got a reciprocal response. Because that's just the way it was. Nowadays, you got to, I don't know how teachers do it nowadays. I don't know how some parents do it nowadays, but they let kids get away with too much. They're way too much. Uh, kids can backtalk teachers. I don't know. We, we don't pay them enough. Guarantee you we don't pay them enough to handle our kids the way they, they have to handle them. Because these kids are nuts. And they know they, they, know they get away with it. That's they, I had one of them when I uh, substitute teaching, and he said... Uh, he told me, he said, well, you know, I could sue you. I said, man, here, let me, I've got it on speed dial. Here you go. I mean, that's just a, but they can, and they know that. And so teachers' hands are tied oftentimes. Because now, uh, if, if your child gets in trouble, usually it's the teacher's fault, right? It's not the kid's fault. It's not the behavior of the kid. It's, it's the teacher's fault. It's the same thing with God. When you feel God is not close to you, Guess who moved? It wasn't, it wasn't God. He's still there, but we're the ones that keep pushing Him aside. And we need to uh, realize that in this passage of Scripture, there's just a two-letter word that is so critical to making uh, 2 Chronicles 7.14 work, 
And that's the word if. If. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. If. Then I'll hear from heaven and heal their land. That's, and that's very, very important. Okay? Um, we're God's people. And it's our responsibility to proclaim forgiveness of God and healing to, uh, to people. All right? And that spreading a flame of God's forgiveness and healing rests on our shoulders. We're the men. We're the women of God. And we should be doing the work that God's called us to do from within the church. Okay? And when one is right with God, they can't help but tell others about God's glory. You know, if, you're, if you've got the love of God in your heart, man, you just can't hold it in. You just got to tell people. Got to share with them. All right? So, are you separated from the world? Are you responding to God in worship? Are you faithful, a faithful witness for Christ? Now I want us to take a look at what it takes for us to be set on fire. Uh, usually, you can measure that by where you are in your walk with God. When you first come, become a believer and you first find the Lord and you're saved, man, you're just, it just seems like you're on fire. You can't, you can't read the Bible enough. You can't be around Christians enough. You can't get to church enough, right? And then all of a sudden, over a period of time, that flame goes away. It's kind of like a fire, and and you're one of the pieces of wood in the fire. And, and when I take that piece of wood away, it's still going. It's still hot. You don't want to reach down and grab it. But in time, it's going to eventually cool off, won't it? Because you've pulled itself away from the fellowship of believers. And I tell you all the time, four things you do that will help you grow. Encounter God every day through prayer and through His Word. Don't hesitate to uh, meet with people of like precious faith. And, for, and number four, give it away. Give away the message of salvation that you have, that you've embraced, to give it to other people. It's really important. Again, looking at, at, at chapter 7, verse 14 of Second Chronicles, if... My people humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways. Those are, those are action things that you and I should be doing on a regular basis. But just think if the church did this on a regular basis as a total church group, what a, what a difference it could make. I mean, huge difference. People in the Middle East, Christians in the Middle East and Africa, they're being, they're being slaughtered. Slaughtered, Preachers are being pulled outside the church and killed right there in, in public uh, to scare people. And yet, they will not denounce Christ because they'll tell them, if you'll denounce Christ, we won't kill you. And they won't do it. They'll, they'll stand for their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I admire men and women like that. You know, we need to have that same commitment ourselves. Secondly, or firstly, we need to take personal responsibility. Take responsibility. Getting right with God is our responsibility. It's not the preacher's responsibility. It's not the deacon's and elder's responsibility. It's not your parents' uh, responsibility. 
It's not the Sunday school teacher's responsibility. It's your individual responsibility. So take personal responsibility. That will help build that fire. Secondly, humble yourself before God. Humble. It's a position that you take. Humility is a position you take. Anybody can brag. Anybody. Uh, we have a young man that played uh, high school football here, Darwin Thompson. Uh, he went to a small college, ended up in a little bit bigger college. He just was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs as a running back. He's only five foot nine, five foot ten. He's a little bitty guy, strong as an ox, though. I mean, he is strong because he every day works at it. Well, he they asked him about his being drafted, and he just said it's a God thing. It's God's plan. It's God's plan. I love it when a when a person is in a position of influence like that with young people who then will stand for Christ. It's very important because they get heard more, and that's what's important. And, and also when you humble yourselves. In the Bible, a man that humbled or a woman that humbled themselves, they would they would go prostrate to the to the ground. They would they would just lay on the ground and because they, they were unworthy to stand in God's presence. I find some of my best time uh, through the week is when I can come up to the cross and just spend some time there. Just spend some time at that cross and, and uh, praying to the Lord. Okay? Uh, we meet God on our knees. Uh, I, I, I just can't stress that enough. Um, and we need to remember how gracious and how merciful and kind that God is to us. So we need to see God who humbled himself on the cross so that you and I could have a relationship with him and be saved. Uh, thirdly, we need to spend time with God. This will help you build that fire. It's spending time with him. Uh, and we measure that with our prayer life. People that are really, truly on fire for God, usually you'll trace it back to their uh, prayer life. You know, we've talked about Geneva, and we still talk about Geneva, because she had such a relationship with God in her through her prayer life that it impacted all of us. You know, and, and if you would go and say, hey, Geneva, could you pray for me? First thing she would ask is, are you praying for you? Because, you see, it's important. Well, your prayers get through, mine don't get through. Yeah, they'll get through. You're, you could pray just as powerfully as she could pray. But she spent time with God. And that's what's important, is making time and carving that out for God. Fourth thing that will help us be on fire is to long for God's presence. Seeking His face. It shows your intent. You know, if, you were, if you're married and you never saw your husband or your wife, <laughs> maybe once a month, Wow. It wouldn't be much of a relationship, would it? Um, I remember when I was dating Cindy, man, I, I couldn't get over there enough. She uh, was born on Valentine's Day. And I asked the dorm parents if I could get up on the roof right by her window and sing happy birthday to her. Uh, if you can believe that I actually climbed up on a roof, I did. Uh, it was a little flat roof over the lobby, and her her dorm room was right there, so it was real it was a perfect spot. I could get up in there, and uh, I knocked on her window, and she came and pulled the blinds back and threw something at me. To not, no, she uh, uh, she let me sing happy birthday to her. Uh, 
then we were wrestling in the lobby. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. Everything, but we we got to we got to long for God's presence. Okay, got to long for God's presence. I got to get back into this sermon, and I'm, I started walking down a road I didn't need to go down. Praise God. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to turn it over to Cindy now to finish the message. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, oh my goodness, Peter. Peter said, if we only seek God for what he can do for us, rather than seeking him for him, we're spiritual idolaters. And um, we need to, uh, I said Peter, Peter Lord is, is, is said that. Uh, we, we've got to understand that God wants us to be with him, long to be with him. Uh, one of the things that um, I always uh, appreciate and I'm gaining more on it all the time, uh, is when your children are away from you, uh, you long to see them. You long to hear from them. Uh, I love phones. I love uh, FaceTime and all that stuff. But it's just, it's just something about them being right there in your presence that you can touch them and all that. So uh, that's important. Uh, fifth thing I want you to understand that God wants us to do to uh, get ourselves on fire for him is to walk toward God. Walk toward him. Uh, Aaron and I sang a song uh, some time ago, but the title of the song was uh, When God Ran. When God Ran. And the thing is, whenever we make an effort, God is going to come in a hurry toward us. But we've got to be walking and, and leaning and striving toward him as well. And what I love about God is that all I've got to do is just turn and look. Man, here he comes. Here he comes. If I will just but take that opportunity and uh, and direct my uh, walk toward God. And uh, uh, theologically, in the Bible, it says to turn from our wicked ways. And that's what our text also says. Don't live an unholy lifestyle. Walk toward God through repentance. Repentance ought to be a daily routine that you are involved in every day. Walking and repenting, walking, repenting. Go to your knees, sacrificing uh, your time and your energies so that God is lifted up and God is praised. That's what we've got to begin to do more of. Okay? Um, The Greek word for repentance is... Mataneo, and it means to change one's mind, to think differently, to turn one's heart away from sin and toward God. Repentance is an act of the will. Don't repent because you got caught. Repent because you know it's the right thing to do. Okay? And God will respond to you when you do that. So, those are the steps that we need to take. Uh, and if we'll take them, we'll be right with God. And so the question is, are you ready and willing to take those steps? And, and if you aren't, will you? And if you are, will you keep up doing it? Uh, one of the uh, saddest scenes is the uh, burning embers of churches that have been burnt to the ground. Uh, and we've seen that, uh, where arsonists have come in and have just simply uh, destroyed these uh, facilities. Uh, there's there's headlines in in uh, newspapers and magazines talking about the church on fire because um, people within that church were on fire 
for God. And they were demonstrating holiness and intensity in worship and passion for witnessing. Uh, wouldn't it be just amazing to see this church, these people in this church, get so on fire for God that they couldn't con- contain it? It just kept spreading and kept influencing and people responding to it. Uh, and I believe that can happen. If we will but do our part, it could happen. Uh, people will come and they'll watch us burn. <laughs> That's what we need to need them to do is to come in to see us uh, a burn. I read a story about a young uh, young boy who was grew up in a small Alabama town, and he kept hearing the fire sirens atop the town's water tower, and uh, he would wait for the sound of the fire truck, seeing which direction uh, it would speed off. Uh, toward a, a, a blaze that was going. And then something in, interesting would happen. A parade of cars would follow in hot pursuit of that fire truck, some to help as volunteers, but most came just simply to watch the fire burn. I remember when Cindy and I were, and uh, the boys were in Kinmundy, Illinois, before we moved here to Jinx. It was a small uh, rural town, and they had a volunteer fire department, and uh, we were sitting at the parsonage one day, and we got a phone call. And they said, hey, you going to come down to the park? And I said, well, what's going on? I said, oh, man, just bring a lawn chair and come see. Well, we thought it was kind of goofy, but we went ahead and did it. We, we took the boys down to the park, and uh, there, was, there was probably 100 people sitting in this park on their lawn chairs. And I said, okay, I'm, I'm game. What's, what's this all about? And one of the church members that had called us said, well, whenever they do a controlled burn, we all come and watch it burn. <laughs> so they were all sitting in this park watching them set, set a house on fire and then watch them put the fire out. That was the entertainment. That's how small the town was. But uh, I'm telling you, if you can get people on fire, if you can get things happening, it, it will attract people. It, it will. And uh, it, when their hearts are on fire... Their lives are on fire. They worship and they witness. It it just is amazing. So I want to close this morning with a few questions. Is your heart aglow? Are you on fire? What steps do you need to take to get right with God? And if you will do what God has called you to do, and back to verse 14, our memory verse, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their evil ways, then will I hear from heaven, will heal their land. That's the decision you have to make. Hopefully you have made it. Your fire hasn't burned out. You're ready to continue the fire uh, ablaze in your life and people see it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for these that are here. I pray that we will truly be on fire for you. That, Father, we will be the type of people that you need us to be. And, Father, we just pray that you'll bless each and every person here. And, Father, that we'll take the instruction from Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And that we will do our part by staying humble by speaking for you and being on fire for you 
And if we'll do those things, you said, you said through your prophet that you would respond and you would heal us. You would forgive us. And so, God, we're asking, we're asking you to build a fire among us and that we will then respond to that prompting. And people will notice and people will see. Maybe there's someone here today, Lord, that needs to respond to you during this invitation time. And if there is, would you give them courage to do that? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Great hymn of faith. Uh, Let's all stand together as we sing it. He touched me. If God's touching you today, would you respond?